You're listening to to the Show We Go Baseball podcast. going on everybody welcome into episode 55 of to the show we go uh we got a full house today we got chris Enrique and jamie gallon along with myself andrew parker we got a special guest today uh we're going we're not on the player side right now and we're not in the media side of the world um but we have uh actually uh he caught the world the baseball world by storm i know i was pretty heavily invested when the draft was going on but we have the president ceo and chairman of baseball united cash shake on hand with us today so cash um, up, guys? i know you're a busy guy so i i kind Dude, of by the way andrew let me tell you cuz you since you mentioned the draft this morning i found out this pretty cool thing that we won a, a pretty big marketing industry award for best online virtual event of 2023 was our draft which really? is pretty uh pretty cool. Yeah, we beat like AT&T and Microsoft and all these big companies. Um so I appreciate you being a part of it and watching it cuz you're one of the reasons we won that award. So thank you. Oh, I mean, when the names that were popping up in that draft were starting to like, you know, I saw on my Twitter feed and uh Instagram and stuff like that, you know, when I was seeing the names pop up, obviously like there were some ties to each city. So like obviously when a guy like Pablo Sandoval gets drafted, like he's got ties to Boston, he's got ties to San Francisco, like, you know, so I see, you know, the guys start talking about it. And I'm like, wow, like, this is something that actually is intriguing to me. So um, yeah, it was it was good. But I want to, I guess I want to start off. Um, you're, you're busy guy, you were just talking to us off off air that, uh, you know, you're traveling between Dubai and Cincinnati, where you call home. So um what's it what's it been like since the showcase happened and i guess uh like i guess how's how's life been now that uh baseball united is underway well it's been it's been insane it's been insane and and and, and first of all thank you guys for having me on i appreciate you guys and everything that y'all do for the game and for fans um the showcase was nuts um you know i told my team we need to pull off multiple miracles to make this happen you know miracle was one of the miracles was creating a field. Another miracle was getting our players there because, you know, we we're a startup and didn't have a full travel agency partner to just get the people there. And we had people stuck at airports in Caracas and people, you know, not getting out of winter ball deals, um, you know, other places in, in Latin America. So it was crazy. And the fact we got everyone there, we, we said a prayer and thank the good Lord because that was a, a big deal, um, you know, and then getting our broadcast production um, off the ground and our feet up across the world. We were in 127 countries with our broadcast um, accessed by 200 million homes. Um, so that was a huge, huge thing for us, including being, we were on MLB TV um, here in the US and, and Fubo TV. They were great partners. That was another miracle. The fourth miracle was getting the fans into the stands. We did a good job with that. We didn't do as well as I wanted to, to be honest with you. Because I think it was um, our dates changed four times in the in the last four months, um, not because of us, but because of some government stuff and shifts that were happening. And also, as you all know, the war um, across the region, nowhere close to Dubai, but just in respect for what's going on, what was going on, we had to do some changes. So we ended up doing our showcase on Thanksgiving weekend, which was great for some folks and, and awful for other folks. You know, it's a tough weekend. 
um, there was 28 other events happening in Dubai that weekend. So it was like, I was like, come on, can, can we get one like easy route here? Everything was just, the odds were stacked, but we, we feel good because we had more people at our event, um, than the, the local cricket league had at their opening night, their opening days. And, you know, the, that part of the world and the UAE in particular is not like the States where it's a culture that's used to going in droves to sporting events. It just not really happen. The big national team events, like when India plays Pakistan or something like that, or the big rivalries, then you see people come, but otherwise you might get a thousand people at, at a cricket match, you know, 800 people in a 25,000 seat stadium. So that's a huge other challenge that we have in the market of not the viewership is typically there from a broadcast, you know, and any sports league, that's the number one revenue driver. So that's great for us, but we have to kind of evolve and inspire this mindset of let, let's go to the ballpark. And we had about 4,500 people at each of our, our games. Like I said, I wanted a bit more, but given the timing and given everything was going on, we felt good about it. The most important thing is that everyone there had a great time. Um, it was a huge, hugely diverse crowd. I mean, you probably had 30 different countries represented. You had different flags being waved. A lot of young people, you know, and I'm sure we'll chat about, but a lot of cool innovations we had um, from a seating standpoint. So what I felt great about is that people who came had a great experience. So I was thinking life would slow down a little bit after the showcase, but it's been nuts. Um, I was hoping to come back to the States quicker, but I was, you know, I had government meetings after that and a lot of things happening in Dubai. So I pretty much stayed there most of um, December. Um, the great thing is all of our government partners were over the moon. Uh, they loved it. They never experienced it before. I mean, we had a Budweiser beer garden outside the stadium, dude. First time in history that that's ever happened. I mean, there, there was a lot of cool things that happened that we were able to push through. Um, difficulty level, 10 out of 10, you know, with 10 being the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life, probably a 12. Um, and we, we learned a ton and just grateful for our team that came together to make it happen. And um, we've been buried on planning for 2024 um ever since then so um you know it doesn't stop trying to do something that no one's ever done before i have to ask as well uh about the team that you've surrounded yourself with uh you have hall of famers you have guys that have been in the industry for longer than i've been alive um right. so what is that like i guess sitting down with you know, a guy who's about to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh, Adrian Beltre, uh, guys who were first ballot. You, it's it's incredible the names you have, like that are helping you lead the charge. So I guess when you when you sit down in a room in a meeting, Zoom call, anything with baseball greats like them, like I guess what what is that like for you? It's a it's a dream come true, man. It's a dream come true. I mean, if you told me two years ago, I'd be, you know sitting down with Albert Pujols, Mariano Vera, Barry Larkin, Felix Hernandez, talking about how we're going to grow and innovate the game and, and everybody else in part of the team. I would, there's no way I would have believed you. Now I'll tell you like back in the day when Mariano Rivera was calling me, it was like, you know, the heavens were opening up. I saw my phone. I'm like, Holy shit, it's Mo. <laughs> and now, now I'm like, God damn it. Mo's calling me again, you know, but you know, because now we're in the weeds working on stuff, but 
I mean, this morning I just got off a, a call with Mariano, Barry, uh, Barry Larkin, Adrian Beltre, Robinson Chirinos. Um, I mean, uh, just amazing group. We've got over 15 Major League Baseball legends that are a part of our league. We've got a few that we're going to uh, announce soon that we haven't announced yet because they've just come on board. Um, and we got a lot of guys who, who want to be a part of it. But obviously, starting with Lark and Mariano, their co-founders, along with myself and John Medrick and Warren Medrick of Baseball United, um, they've been with us from the beginning. It's been a multi-year journey to get to where we are. Um, and then bringing on Adrian Beltre as our next big investor was a huge, huge thing for us. I mean, I really believe that was a, um, a critical turning point in the growth of the company because... Um, you know, AB's got so much respect around the league and there's so many players. Plus he played for 20 plus years. So, you know, a lot of guys played with them. Um, but when we got um, Adrian Beltre and then Elvis Andrews came along with them, that, that really started to shift the, the folk, the investor mindset and players mindset of what was happening here. Then we quickly, quickly got Felix Hernandez um, end up meeting Felix at the World Baseball Classic last year down in Miami, and God love Felix. That was the easiest investor pitch of of, of all time. Um, you know, it probably took me fifteen minutes, and he's like, "Dubai man, I'm in, I'm in. Beltre, I'm in. Beltre was the hardest of all time. That was like six weeks back and forth. He's got a great team around him, as you can imagine, with someone like um, AB. But um, you know, that really kind of opened the floodgates, and we've been really, really blessed from. Everyone down down the line from Robinson Cano, Bartolo Colon, Robinson Torinos, Nick Swisher, Ryan Howard, Shane Victorino, Hanley Ramirez, Rookie of the Year in the Marlins. I mean, you know, um, Matt Barnes, All-Star World Series champion. It's just, it's been incredible, man. It's incredible. And to see those guys out in Dubai on the showcase, we had eight of them out there on the field. You know, it was pretty, pretty special. So they're a huge part of who we are and what we're doing. They've added so much credibility to the league. A bunch of us are going to be out in New York next week, meeting with Major League Baseball, as well as the Players Association, you know, um, seeing how we can grow the game together. We have the same vision of growing the game of baseball. Obviously, um, there's a connection between our two leagues because of the MLB investors. And beyond that, the players, as you mentioned, the draft, I mean, 70% of the guys we drafted were originally drafted by MLB ball clubs. You know, 45% of our draft class played at the big league level, you know, um, and you've got, got guys like three-time World Series champion Pablo Sandoval. You've got guys like Robbie Cano, Didi Gregorius, who can still ball, by the way, um, you know, and they're going to be in Miami in a couple weeks. Didi, Anton Simmons are going to be part of the Curacao team playing in the Caribbean series, um, you know, so it's just awesome, man, as a, as a guy that grew up loving baseball. Baseball is my first love. Um, to be able to be a part of this and and working with this team is really special. So I have I'm gonna I got one more question before we I shoot to Chris or Jamie. I don't want to hog up uh, all the time here, but um, I was actually watching a, a sporting event just this last week that took place in Dubai, the DP World Tour uh, for golf, and yep. something that came across the the broadcast that uh, kind of triggered something as well that I wanted to ask you too. Um, when, you know, there's obviously golf is in a little different position than baseball as in you're, you're not directly competing with the MLB, like how live and the PGA tour are pretty much competing for talent. 
um it's a whole different dynamic i feel like but i know the dp world tour was talking about how when the fans they were trying to get the fans in dubai um it's just a whole different atmosphere so right i wanted to ask we had kind of mentioned the wbc and i i think that was a lot of this past wbc was uh, incredible and i feel like it opened up a lot of people's eyes including myself to baseball fans outside of america are very different than we are um so what is what is the atmosphere like in the stadium? I, I know you were talking about the numbers you were getting and you want more numbers, but like with the atmosphere you guys uh, attracted, uh, what was that like? And how was it comparable to WBC or was it more like American baseball? It was definitely like international baseball, which is much more of like a festival carnival type atmosphere. Everybody waving flags, chants, the band. We had a band, like a marching band playing the whole time, you know, in the stands, in a whole section, you know, felt like, you know, what we wanted to do is create a mix of international baseball vibe. Like if you're, if you see a game in the Dominican Republic or Venezuela, I mean, it's a, it's a party. It's a party. Even in Japan, if you see an MPB game from the first pitch to the last out, they're on their feet there. There's energy, there's chance. We wanted that. And honestly, as as somebody that, you know, grew up here in America, I also wanted to mix in a bit of college football vibe, you know, because if you think about the college football experience, that's like the sport probably where there's the most energy um, from a fan base. You know, uh, we were watching um, Virginia Tech, if you guys see Virginia Tech football, like when they've come oh, in, yeah. come in to enter Sandman, dude. So we we're like, come on, we, we need that vibe. We played enter Sandman on the 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 stadium speakers when our players jogged in before the broadcast it was sick man so it's like we wanted a college football vibe and an international flavor and and that's the beauty of uh international sports international baseball because you know when you look at baseball united we have over 25 countries represented on our roster so people came out from finland people came out from canada people came out from the ukraine etc and of course we had prospects from India and Pakistan and Sri Lanka and Palestine that we brought on purposely to, to help inspire the fans in those nations. Cause that's our backyard where we're trying to grow. They had huge contingents out there. Um, those prospects became celebrities back home when they, when they went home and, you know, they played a professional game for the first time in the history of their country. So that's the beauty of, of the, of the area and that part of the world. And like you mentioned, Andrew, I mean, there's never been a better time for international baseball with the WBC uh, last year, WBC, what it started um, from everything from a number standpoint in attendance in viewership and sponsorship and social media shares and engagement, merch sh sale, uh, sales to the storylines that were there, you know, Mexico having a great run, you know, great Britain creating a presence, you know, um, some of the Eastern European teams, having a great run-up to the World Baseball Classic, helping spread the game there. And then, of course, you know, you couldn't get better with Trout and Otani at the end. And I think that really helped a lot of people see that there's so much potential with the game of baseball. And um, for us, we're, you know, as you know, we're sitting in, in, in cricket country. There's 2 billion people in the Middle East and South Asia. 1 billion of them are cricket fans. Um, you know, we want to inspire some of them to take on and, and fall in love with what we believe is is the other great bat and ball sport in the world of America's pastime. And we're on our way. 
It's gonna be my what has it been like to see you know baseball united grow from the ground up to where it is now and just be part of that process it's been a blessing man it's been surreal you know um it's one of those things where you're, you're so locked in on building and the way i you know my mindset is to just kind of understand the vision and have that really clear but just focus on the moment every day what we got to do to get there and there's so much work that's been done. And then when you look up and you say, holy crap, we actually did it. Like we made history. We played the first games there. We've got these legends that are a part of it. We've we put a great product on the field to where Major League Baseball is calling us and saying, hey, we were impressed with the quality of play. We came up with some crazy innovations like the money ball that, um, that worked. You know, 100 million views uh, on social media of Pablo's money ball was pretty cool. And um, it's just been really special, you know, Jamie. But there's a... There's so much more work to do. That's what's crazy about it. I mean, this morning I was telling our squad, I'm like, um, we don't really have much time to to be proud of what we did, you know, even though we are. Um, we're really focused on what can we do better and where can we learn and how can we keep this thing going? Because it's a, you know, it's an expensive thing to do too, to be honest with you. I mean, this ain't, this ain't cheap, you know? So it's a lot of um, investment and also a lot of fundraising that we still have to do. Um, we got a, we did a great job. We had 16 sponsors that we closed in a matter of five or six weeks last year, which was pretty crazy. And we weren't able to close them or really push them because the date kept changing. Um, but you know, they were really happy with everything from Victus on down. So now we got, you know, some more work to do to kind of close them up for next year. Cause if we can figure out the financials of it, we know we have the foundation of the fan base. Like we know people want it, not just in Dubai and India and Pakistan, which is obviously where we want to grow, but around the world, we had, you know, over two dozen countries watching our, our broadcasts as well, you know, um, so that, you know, it's a, it's a huge, huge thing that we've done, but man, we got so much more work to do. Yeah. I was, you know, thinking about it as you're, you know, talking about, just like from a partnership and, and, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people. I started to think about, you know, you guys are going to be with major league baseball. Then you think you got the NFL and you have these other leagues that have tried to do their own thing, the XFL, the USFL, you know, and not saying that that's what you guys are, but it is impressive to kind of see that you quickly captivated an audience to the level that you did, you know, and with the players that you brought in there, you know, from Pablo to Beltre to the guys who, you know, I mean, obviously he didn't play, but, you know, part of like the team and things like that. As you, you know, continue to grow, is there like an appetite to where maybe some of what you guys are doing can bring it to the States and, and fans in the United States can also experience, even though we got to see guys like DD play when, you know, they were younger, yeah. but it's something you guys are looking to do as well. I think so, Chris, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And that's one of the, the most refreshing learnings from this whole experience of last year is that, you know, I've got, we've got people calling us from all around the world saying, Hey, can you bring a squad, you know, either an all-star team or can you bring the Mumbai Cobras to Japan? You know, can you bring them to the DR? Um, is there a universe where after the Caribbean series next year, the winner plays a team from baseball United, you know? So I think that there's, there's a lot of heart and a lot of energy for that, you know? Um, I was just meeting with some broadcasters yesterday and our some of our biggest broadcast um, countries were outside the region. You know, Japan had, was really watching everything that we were doing from the draft 
all the way through the showcase. Obviously, the U.S., we had a big broadcast footprint, but Venezuela was huge. You know, obviously, Dominican with, was huge when you have Bartolo and Beltre and Pujols and everything. And we've got, you know, some gods of Dominican baseball um, as part of our team. So I think there's a lot of opportunities, um, you know, and that's why I'm excited for our talks with MLB um, as well. Because obviously, you know, like you mentioned, Andrew, we're not trying to compete with Major League Baseball. We're all MLB fans. Um, we view Major League Baseball as the crown jewel. But as you all know, there's more than a dozen other professional baseball leagues in the world. Obviously, everybody knows Japan and, you know, KBO, China, tai Taipei, Australia, though, DR, Venezuela, Nicaragua, Panama, Mexico, Puerto Rico. So there's a huge, huge market. Um, as y'all know, that's typical. Most of those are typically called winter ball. They're winter ball leagues, November to February. We're going to be playing in the winter ball timing just by nature of the climate of where we're at, because it's hot as hell, you know, outside those in that region. But we don't consider ourselves a winter ball league. You know what I mean? We're going to have a, a a bridge schedule. And we're going to be playing around that same timeline. But what's cool about that is now, because of the nature of the the season and the time of the year that we're playing, we naturally are a complement to Major League Baseball and the MPB, you know. Um, but we want to be the number one international baseball league on the planet based on, you know, credibility and respect of the league, based on viewership, you know, and based on quality of play. And, you know, I think, I really believe like our goal when we started this like two years ago, and I was like, if we could have that product in Dubai, the first game be a top five league team, meaning like we could go take that team and go beat a team from Taipei or beat a team from KBO, that would be pretty special. And honestly, I really believe that those two teams, you could have played an MLB team. They could play a three game series with an MLB team and they could win some games. Like, you know, you know how baseball is. Um, and that's pretty cool, you know. That's pretty cool, particularly on on the batting side, on the pitching side. That's one way we want to continue to grow, um, you know, especially with young talent. But uh, we feel really good about the product that we have and the opportunity to now take that all around the world. And I I was in Japan um, right before New Year's. I went to Tokyo. I met with the Giants. And I met with the uh, Yomiri Bay Stars, you know, which is where, I'm sorry, the Yokohama Bay Stars. Um, and, you know, that's where Trevor was playing this last year. And Yuli Gurriel played for the Bay Stars. You know, they got a great fan base. And I was like, hey, guys, what about before your season starts? We I bring the Cobras over here. We bring an all-star team over here. We play the Giants, play Bay Stars, three-game series. And they're like, are you fucking crazy? That's in two months. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean two months? Like, There's plenty of time, but they're like, love the idea. It's just too quick of a turnaround. Um, but the cool thing is they were interested. So who knows what's going to happen in 2025? And y'all know this year, I mean, look, Major League Baseball is doing the spring training thing in the DR. They're doing the Mexico series, doing the Korean series. So that's, that's pretty cool too, because there's a lot of synergies of of what they're looking to do and what we're, what we're building. All right, guys, I have some rapid fire ones. If you guys have anything before I shoot to that. Uh Oh, I got, I got one more. 
Um, right. What has it been like to work? You know, we talked about guys like Beltre, but just to work with those stars who have been in the World Series and kind of get to know them on a more personal basis. And it's been awesome. And every single one of our guys has been so humble, um, such high character guys. That was one of the things that we looked at, Jamie, when we were trying to find the right astronauts, the right pioneers to be the first ones to set foot on a baseball field in the Middle East is not just how well they played on the field, but their character and their mindset and their integrity off the field. And um, Eddie Diaz, our vice president of baseball operations, John Medrick, executive VP of baseball ops, they did an incredible job. Carlos Mirabal, uh, part of our baseball ops team. Carlos is a legend in Japan, by the way, um, if you look him up. They did a great job bringing a great group of guys together. And everybody was so humble. Everybody was so grateful for the opportunity and felt privileged to be a part of history. Um, and they were all great ambassadors out there. Nobody had seen or touched a baseball player in that region before. So it was cool. I mean, all the guys were signing autographs. They were high-fiving fans. As y'all saw, we had cabanas on the field. I had this idea of like first ever courtside seating in baseball history. So we built these cabanas. It was insane. Five minutes before the opening pitch, the first pitch, we're still putting up the netting to make sure where the cabanas are protected. It's like full on startup style, but we got them up and dude, those were incredible. Kids loved them. I mean, we probably need to put more security on them next year because kids were just running around the field when balls were, you know, hit trying to get foul balls. And uh, so we probably need to put a little bit of protection in between innings. They're running up high five in the players as they're coming up the field. So, um, but it was amazing. And um, all that stuff was so cool. And the players were open to it. You know, they're open to being mic'd up. They're open to being fall around. The coolest thing, you know, as a core brand building guy myself, you know, um, there's so much we can do. You know, there's so much we can do. Like all this stuff is us as fans that we're like, I wish we could put a camera here. Why don't they mic this person up? Or how are they going to do this? Like we can do that. We can put three drones in left field, center field and right field and have them shadow the outfielders. Like there's so many things we could do from a content and fan experience standpoint, which is really, really exciting. Yeah, that's, I was, as you were saying that, because it took me back, because like a few years ago, um, when we started, you know, our writing, podcasting journeys and things like that, the one of the like few common themes that we talked about was the fact that I felt that baseball really didn't connect very well with fans. I think it's, right. it's changing. I think it's definitely changing, but, you know, five years ago, I didn't feel like they were trying to tap into the Mike Trouts of the world. You know, Shoitani is base of the game. You right. know what I mean? That's a different stratosphere. But being able to do those things to mic up people, to get the fan closer to the on-field um, play, to me, like, that's innovative. That It's hard for Major League Baseball to do, but you have a unique way to where you can capture fans and get them closer to this game that does need to evolve. And, you know, hear and see those things, it is very refreshing to see that because it's outside the box and, you know what I mean? And, and you don't know until you try it. Right. Well, you're exactly right, Chris. I mean, and again, you're right. MLB's done a great job the last couple of years and even seeing what they do at the All-Star Game, the way that they're doing a lot more of the um, the camera work, the mic'd up work, the different engagement activities that they do with the broadcast and on the field, they're doing great, but you know, the reality is Major League Baseball has the oldest fan base in all of professional sports. The average age of an MLB fan is 57 years old. The average age of a cricket fan 
is 34 years old. The average age of a baseball fan in the Middle East and India is 26, 26. So you're talking about literally less than half the age of an MLB fan. And that's the huge opportunity. I mean, that's the exciting opportunity. So, and as you mentioned, I mean, you know, one of the best parts of Major League Baseball being the oldest professional sports league on earth is the history and the heritage and the romance and the pageantry. I mean, I got this little, my little calendar where I flip of trivia, you know, of each day you got to flip and get a little trivia, you know, thing. And like, it's just crazy, you know, learning who had most doubles in 1896. You know what I mean? That's what's cool about MLB. But it's also one of the limiting factors because you can't mess with it too much because then you mess with stats and history and records and all that, which is so core to the game. For us, it's a blank slate. You know, when we bring on a six run money ball, it's not messing up records or history or heritage. There's no asterisk needed. And that's what's cool about it. And what that does, like you mentioned, Chris, it enables us to open up a whole new avenue to a whole new group of fans that typically wouldn't watch the game, um, whether it's because of the money ball, if it's because of the fact that we have these prospects integrated in uh, to the teams representing their countries, our designated runner rule um, actually enabled us to put in prospects from Pakistan. The first run in baseball United history was scored by uh, a prospect from Pakistan. I mean, that dude, they had a parade for him when he got back to Pakistan. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Now it was on like an error, but we're, you know, it's fine. He still got, he still scored. Um, so all that is really cool. The on-field seating, you know, and we have so many other ideas as well. Um, we're not, we don't have extra innings in, in baseball United. We have a home run derby, um, two players from each team, 10 pitches each and whoever's got the most home runs wins. And if it's still tied, then it's a swing off and you go back and forth and, we didn't get to do that in the showcase, but that's going to be fun when we do that. So there's a lot of cool things we can do to engage a younger fan base, a more diverse fan base, and an international fan base. I am looking forward to the home run derby uh, to to decide games. That's uh, I mean, it makes sense though. It's like a shootout in hockey. Like how if the game's exactly. not game's still tied, like they're going to a shootout. So it's like not really a huge difference. But um, Major, all right. when it comes to the home run derby. Every year, I feel like there's the biggest whiff that they have is they have the targets that are out, you know, in the stands. They should partner with Taco Bell during the home run derby as well and have like an oppo taco. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. like that is every time the home run derby, I, I'm like, that is a missed opportunity. You get free tacos when the first dude steals the, home, the base in the World Series. I'm like, Apo Taco is, it's right. a term that is in people use it in social media. Every time there's a highlight, there right. is a connection there. You know, I'm there you go. we might be able to do that. We might be able to do that for ourselves. I, I met with Bentley last week, you know, um, and I was, I was like, okay, you want to park a Bentley in center field? We could probably figure that out, you know, and have the center fielder hop over it or whatever. But there's so many cool things that we could do, which is cool. And the other interesting thing before the rapid fire is also, you know, the baseball fan in that part of the world, it's a premium fan base, you know? So like higher educated than rep population, higher income, you know, higher percentage of employment, online more, social media creator streams more games it's a very engaged influential attractive fan base 
And, um, you know, like I said, I've been building brands most of my career, all my career, and it's the dream fan base for a marketer or for, um, for any brand to, to capture. I think that's the biggest thing that brands haven't figured out yet. Um, you know, obviously we met with Nike and Under Armour and everybody. And at, last year before we did the showcase and everyone was like, love what you're doing. They were kind of like, wait and see though. You know, um, we had a few great brands like Victus and stuff who were on, on board from the beginning. But I, I think it's a huge missed opportunity still for brands, because if you think about it, there is no baseball infrastructure there at all. If the four of us wanted to create a baseball glove company right now, we'd be the first one in the market over there. You know, there's no if you drive around Dubai, you can't buy a freaking baseball. You know, if you go to the, you know, the store to buy a baseball, if you're lucky, if you somehow find one in the whole country, it's not it's going to be soft and squishy. You know what I mean? It's going to be a little play ball. Uh, the gloves are like this big. They're like little kitty gloves. So, you know, there's a huge opportunity for for brands to come in and piggyback on. And when I talk to brands, I'm like, that's the best time to launch your product when you can launch with a whole league that's doing 90% of the marketing for you because we're educating the fan base. We're getting inspired about baseball, et cetera. Um, so there's just so much opportunity. It's got a ton of work to make it happen, but you know, we're going to try our best to crack it. All right, cash. It's that, it's that time of the show where, um, I have some very random quick questions for you. I didn't know that. I didn't know we had to do this. Kavon didn't warn me about this. <laughs> it's okay. They're just, I ask a lot of the people that come on here. So every episode we do is a new guest. Right. So it's like, right. a, it's an interview every time. So I've asked these questions for the most part to a lot of people, but I want to know outside when you're not on like traveling the world, when you're not building brands, I know you've been busy the past 20 years. I, I understand this, but when you're not working, what is a guilty pleasure of cash shake? Oh my God. Guilty pleasure. Dude, it's probably what I'm doing right now. And it's the least sexy thing possible because I, at 40, I don't know how old you guys are. But I just, I'm 44 now. And what happens at 40 is for some psychotic reason, you become a bird watcher. You become a bird watcher, dude. Like, okay. I could, I could say I'm running, I'm lifting weights and stuff. But look, I'm going to tell you the, the, the unsexy part. I got a bird feeder right in front of my office right here. It's snowing and I'm looking at cardinals and blue jays and, and, and house finches and shit, dude. That is my that is my guilty pleasure because it enables me to just have a few minutes to to reset my brain, man. That's probably it. <laughs> I like it. I'm still on the got, right side got of thirty. A couple of woodpeckers too. Woodpeckers. Okay. <laughs> Bird watchings after once you turn forty, guys. It's it sounds like it's in our future. You're you're trying to run a marathon when you turn thirty. You're trying to do a half marathon or run a marathon. At forty, it's like okay, let me watch some birds. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten that one yet. I've gotten a lot of different stuff, but we have not. I've gotten video games. I've gotten like candy on the last episode, but I've never gotten bird watching. So that's good. I'm not proud uh, of it either. I'm not proud of it. It's just, <laughs> it is what it is. It's unique though. I like it. It's not like you're, yeah, I'm exercising until, like you said. No, I like it. Bird watching, right. we'll stick with it. Um, yep. All right. I'm curious about this one. So I got to ask you um, with you traveling the world, you, you talked about it earlier. You have guys from, numerous amounts of countries in the league 
how many languages do you speak and how many do you want to learn? Um, I speak three. I speak, you know, fluently English, Hindi, and Urdu. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty conversational in Spanish. Um, you know, I would love to learn Arabic because of where we are. It's a difficult language. It's a very difficult language, you know, to learn like as an old guy like me, but I'm picking it up, you know, because the biggest way to learn languages, as you all know, is immersion in, in the market. Um, so I'm starting to pick up some some words um, within it. Um, but, you know, I'm a huge um, believer in just travel and culture and connecting, um, regardless of baseball. I mean, I was very blessed when I was at Procter & Gamble. I, they created a job for me to lead marketing and developing markets. And that was all of um, Latin America, South America, Africa, Asia, the Middle East, Eastern Europe. Um, with PNG, I visited 51 countries in a three-year period. Um, and it changed my life, man. It fully changed my life. So I'm, I'm a huge believer in travel as the best form of education and um, that we're all more similar than we are different. And that's why, um, you know, Baseball United, our core value is unity. And it's not just part of our brand. It's it's part of our, our DNA. And we want to bring people together. And the best way to bring people together that I've learned in life is sport. You know, it's the great equalizer and it's the great connector. And to have the opportunity to take America's pastime, you know, the um, quintessential American sport and bring it to the Middle East and South Asia for the first time is a huge honor and huge responsibility. But, um, but yeah, man, so Arabic, Arabic would be, uh, be the big one, you know, and maybe some, maybe Japanese I'd love to learn as well, being over there. Um, you know, I, I got a few words though. I, I figured out a few words. Well, I have two questions left for you, then we'll let you go. Cause I know you, like I said, you probably have like 18 meetings today. So, um, this next one, it might be the, uh, toughest question for you. Um, so I have to ask it, your UT guy, um, they just had a pretty tough loss in the college football mm -hmm. playoffs, which I'm sure you were watching. Um, mm -hmm. where were you at for that and how, like, did it go how you thought? I mean, obviously it didn't go how you thought you were, it was going to go, but what were your reactions on uh, the loss to Washington? I was in Dubai having to like get a little ghost stream of it. So that's what sucks <laughs> because no college football over there, but um, you know, I was bummed about it. I really thought we had a chance to win it all. And, and um, it's been a long climb for UT. You know, I was there um, in the Rose bowl in the corner of the end zone when Vince Young ran right to me. Um, I wow. was sitting in but I just happened to be the best place on the world that moment when when UT beat USC to win our last national championship. Um, and 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 Vince Young somehow, through God's grace, became a good um, friend of mine through our work with BSB. So, you know, I'm a huge Longhorn uh, fan. You can't see it. we got some stuff up there. But, uh, you know, it's it's progress, though, man. And Sark just signed a, a multi-year extension because people were nervous that he might go take Saban's spot in, in Alabama, but he's going to be there for a while. And I think they're building a great team. And, you know, I'm a big believer that culture is the most important part of any organization. And I, and I really believe that um, Sark and the, and the coaches down there are building a great, great culture. So I feel good about UT in the future. Yeah. Um, we covered the, the Red Sox triple A team this past year out in Worcester, Mass. And, 
Um, they had a longhorn side of the locker room in there because there's the former, uh, the former closer for the longhorns a few years back is in AAA for the Red Sox. And there's a infielder that played shortstop for the longhorns for a few years. That's also that Trey? Right was now. that Trey is Tra- Paltini uh, or Chase Shugart. And okay. then, um, David Hamilton is the middle infielder that was with Texas, but they, they sat their lockers were right next to each other. They, I think David Hamilton had his Longhorns Jersey in his yeah. locker, his college world series Jersey. So it was pretty cool, but I always, we always got our fix of uh UT everything whenever we'd go in the locker room, but that's um, cool. That's cool. I have, I have one last question for you before we well, let by you the go. Way, by the way, my, 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 my fellow co-founder, Barry Larkin went to Michigan. So he had a great, he oh. had a great, uh, you know, he's a, he's a Michigan guy. Um, so Lark is Lark's had a good run lately on, on some of his sports uh, stuff, but he was super happy, obviously. Yeah. It, I'm very happy for Michigan right now. Obviously with the lions in the playoffs um, going as far as they have, I, I saw people were crying in the stands when the lions won that first game. And then obviously Michigan just winning like that state's been in cold and darkness for a while so i'm right. happy to see michigan and uh and the lions doing well but i have That's one right. final question before we let you go um it's a you know what it's a two-parter that could be a three-parter i haven't found that out yet but my f- first part of this are you a fast food guy not really man not really i try All I'm, right. I'm i'm a fast food connoisseur in terms of knowing the fast food but i try to stay away from fast food for the most part my wife is is the number one fast food world <laughs> champion, um, you know, and she's pregnant right now. So every day there's, it's like a caravan of different fast foods that roll up to the door with Uber Eats or whatever it is. But, um, but myself, I try to stay away from fast food, man. Okay. Well, am I, I've asked a question to everybody on the show, but I feel like I can't, it wouldn't be fair to ask you, but I might do it anyway, just to see what is your, is your favorite or go-to but um obviously baseball a lot of the players that we interview come from the south you know a lot of them are texas guys or georgia guys whatever so they grew up with some good southern fried chicken especially fast food chains um so i'm i'm very big my heart's on uh with a certain fast food fried chicken place and so I always ask that question. It's like, if you had every single option available and you did want fast food today and you wanted fried chicken, whether it's a sandwich, strips, whatever, and all the options were open, where would you be going? Oh, dude. You know what? This one, I don't know if this would be the best, but it'd be the most sentimental because down the street from where I grew up, there was a place called, and you said the word, Hearts, Hearts Fried Chicken. It's H-A-R-T-Z. Probably doesn't even exist anymore. But we used we grew up on that on on hearts hearts fried chicken. I think on a one to ten, ten being the best, it was probably like a five. But the rolls were really good, and usually rolls are you know or biscuits are kind of a differentiator. You know if you if you go to a if you go to a place or not, you know like the Popeyes biscuits are usually pretty good. But hearts fried chicken, which is a Texas thing, um, would probably be my my choice. Fair. We've gotten Chicken Express a few times from uh, our Texas pals. I don't know if you you're big on that, but that's the only Texas chain I think we've gotten so far. So that's a new got, one too. They got they got Lee's Chicken over here in Cincinnati too. I grew yeah. up. Yeah, that's in the Midwest as well. So all right, I fair. That. I never tried that. That one looks that one looks a little uh, sketchy. I, I stay away from that one, but maybe it's good. <laughs> 
All right. Well, my heart's with Zaxby's. So if you ever see a Zaxby's in the South, you're driving around, whatever. I know they're in Texas. They're in Georgia. They're all over the yep. place. Definitely go. Um, and I'll, we all have to try Skyline Chili sometime. I know you're. Uh, yep. that's a Cincinnati thing, but I feel like uh, definitely need to get on that. But Cash, we, uh, we appreciate all the time. You've given us 50 minutes of your busy day. So uh, we definitely appreciate it. Um, we're definitely looking forward to what you guys have in store uh, that's going to go on in 2024. But thank you so much for hopping on with us. Thank you, guys. Great to meet you guys. Thanks for what you do. Looking forward to staying in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you. Thanks, Thanks guys. Cash.